Y'all there? All right. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. <clears throat> when Paul writes here uh, in this and in, in, in other books in, in the Corinthians, he he refers oftentimes, and even in his at the last part of his life in his letter to Timothy and Second Timothy, he refers to. The Christian life as a race. He was relating it to something that was uh, there in his day. Uh, the races or the games that went on much like the Olympic Games uh, that took place here. That the people could could take something that's intangible and see it in something that's, that's tangible. And so, so he refers to it as a race. And he talks about us running the race. And that's what I want to uh, talk to you about this morning is the race that is set before you. And, and when you think about, when you think about the race that God set before us, I guess the easiest way to define that would be is the gospel of Jesus sets us on a different course in life. You know, sin takes us on a course. You're born in sin and, and your natural way of living would be to that, to respond to that out of our flesh. And hopefully everybody in here along the way that you, that you heard the gospel and you heard the word of God and you heard the truth. And in doing that, by God's grace, you turned to him and he saved you. And at that point in time, God put you on a different path, a different course in life. And so when it talks about this race, it will talk about everything that, that consists of God's plan for your life. God's got a totally different plan for your life than what, than what the world has for you. Uh, God's purpose in your life, the pursuit of the glory of God. It also entails our service and our ministry, uh, the molding of our character, God changing the things in our lives to where we'll be more like Jesus. It's, it's about following obedience wherever God leads us through the Holy Spirit. And so this race that Paul's speaking of here is your life day in and day out. The biggest mistake I think that you can make is just simply to relate it to ministry, you know, your service to the Lord. And it's not about that at all. The Lord is about every aspect of your life. So this this includes your marriage. This includes, you know, raising your kids and how do you respond to your parents and and all of the different things, your relationships in life is, is this race because the, when, once you trusted Christ as your Savior, now you have a new authority that you look to, which is the Word of God. You have a new guide. You have somebody who goes with you because He lives in you. You have a new set of standards and a new purpose and a plan that you live by. <clears throat> and so, so here God's telling us through, through Paul that, that He wants us to run this race and He's giving you an encouragement because everyone here needs to recognize Christianity is not just a decision that you make. Okay, I made a decision, now I know where I'm going when I die. It has, I mean, that does have something to do with it, but that's not the whole of it. The whole of it, Jesus said in John chapter 17 is, and this is eternal life that you might know God and the one whom he sent, which was, was Christ. And it's a walking day in and day out relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. The last thing Satan wants is for you to run that race. He wants to get you off course. He wants to get you out of the race. He wants to set you down. He wants to, to bring you back over to a place where you're, you're not even aware of what's going on. Because once you become aware 
that Christianity, you know, the Bible speaks of it as a race. It speaks of it as a warfare. It speaks of it as a battle. It speaks of it as a, as a day in and day out life. Then the things that the devil uses to come against you to get off course, I think there's a lot of Christians who you don't even recognize where those things are coming from and why they're happening. And so you respond in different ways, whether it's out of anger, whether it's out of, you know, you get down in the mouth and depressed and those kind of things where, where, where if you would look at those things and understand spiritual warfare, when you talk about spiritual warfare, the devil doesn't come at you with a pitchfork and, you know, on his tail where he, that kind of stupid stuff. The devil comes at you using day in and day out things. Things that you go, well, this has nothing to do, you know, with spiritual things. It absolutely has. Everything has things to do with those. Whether it's your job, people at your job, you know, things that's going on in your life. The devil works behind the scenes. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to stay in the shadows, in the darkness, so that you don't recognize where it's coming from. So that you don't battle it right. Because here's the, here's the awesome thing. Christ has already given us the victory. You have to choose whether or not that you're going to run the race. And and so every one of us, all of us who are born-again believers are called to run the race. And if you're not a born-again believer, then you're on the wrong course to start with and you're you're on the course of destruction. And that's what Christ came to save you from, to get you off of that and to put you on His racetrack, all right? And so into that, each of us run a different course. You know, Paul said, and I believe it was 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me. Okay, And so when you think about the course that God has you on, every one of us has a my course. We have a different race to run. You don't have the same calling as me, nor I you. Everybody has different callings. Everybody has a different purpose, a different plan. You also, a lot of us are going to go through some of the same things, but a lot of you are going to go through trials that I don't go through, and vice versa. You're going to go through tests and through battles, and you're going to deal with troubles because when 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 you look at this word race in the, in the actual language there, it's not talking about just simply a race that you run on a track. It's talking about difficulties and trials that you face day in and day out. And if you look back, you just if you'll review back over just this week, back to last Sunday, from last Sunday to here, if you can remember it. You could probably look at your life on, on day in and day out and you say, I can see things that happened that tried to rob away. I mean, cause think about this. When you, when you get off course, number one, he wants to take your focus off of the Lord. He wants to take your focus off of God's plan for your life. He wants to take your attitudes. He wants to take your, your thought process. He wants to take your, your communication. Everything that the devil can do to get you off of that and focused on this life and the troubles of it so that you're not focused on eternal life and the glory of it for the glory of God, all of us would probably say, I can identify some things this week that, that I've seen where I had obstacles to go through, and some of us handled it right and some of us different. But but here's the thing with the race, the goal is always the same. It's just like Jeremy said, amazing how God orchestrates everything in a, in a worship service. But, but it's like Jeremy just said, we all ended up in the same place if you're a child of God. And so, not just heaven. I want to. I want to emphasize. It's not just about heaven, because here's the God's honest truth according to Scripture. If you're a born again believer, heaven's already your home. You're not running. I'm going to run the race. So I hope that I make it to heaven. Jesus has already ran that race when He went to the cross for you. Okay, that was His lot in life. That was what He came to do, and He accomplished that. And so, when you look at it, our race consists of our. What, what is the goals of this race? Well, number one is to know Christ, to know Him better day in and day out, that I might know the Lord. Is to walk in His will. 
goal for my life. It's to reach the lost because we're surrounded by people everywhere who are not in the race and we're, we're running to win them. And then it's to strengthen the saints, one another, encouraging one another. Hopefully this message will do that to make disciples, to show the world who Jesus is, to walk in truth. And then, and then there's some other things because Paul talks about, and I'll talk about it a little bit tonight. Um, Paul talks about run that you might win. He talks about in Corinthians that, that these runners, he was relating to the actual runners of his day, he said they run to obtain a corruptible crown. You know, when they ran in that day, all the only prize in the day was a, uh, was a handmade uh, wreath basically made out of like pine uh, evergreen leaves is what it was. And so after a while, it would fade away. And they would do all of this work and all of this exercise and all this training simply to win that. I believe God's built in every one of us. You might not be living. I believe God's put within our heart to be the very best that we can be. That's his desire for us is to be our best. Nobody wants to finish second because second is what? First loser, right? So, you know, and Paul says, run the race. And so there is rewards. And I'll talk about that later on tonight. If you're here in this race that we run for, number one is to see the blessings of God in your life. You know, there's some blessings of God where God just goes here. But there's other things, there's other blessings of God that are directly attached to His truth of His Word. That if I live according to what God's Word says, God's going to bless according to what He has promised with that principle. Does that make sense? And so, as long as I'm running the race, then what am I going to see? I'm going to see the blessing. I would rather see God's blessings and favor in my life than the misery that sin's going to bring about. Amen? Also, the rewards that God has of us not only consist of... Because some people think real shallow when they think of the Lord. I had a Sunday school teacher one time as a it was a deacon, not here, not in this church. It was in another church, and I wanted to wring his neck afterwards to tell you the truth. But he was standing up, and, and I had been there at that church just for a little bit, and I told some of the story. He was talking about the rewards, and he said, "You know, he said uh, I'm not really interested in you know a handful of jewels or anything. I'd just be glad to be in heaven." And, and, and that was his idea and his thought of the rewards that God has for his people. And I, I, I wanted to stop in the middle of it and go sit down is what I want to do. I didn't. But I want to go, do you really think that that's all God has for you? When you look at this life and consider, the Bible says, every good and every perfect gift comes from God. When you look at a creation and see how God just dazzled us, speaking that into existence six days for you. For you, it wasn't just for him. He said, he's given you the earth. We're the ones who are over all of it. We have dominion over it. And that was a gift from God for us to enjoy. The Bible says your children are a heritage of the Lord. If you've got grandkids, all of these things are, are rewards and blessings that God gives you. So you can imagine what it's going to be like. And I'll go into detail because the Bible goes into detail. Um, I'll give you, I knew I was going to preach both messages this morning. I'm not going to, but I just got to give you this. There's a promise I'll show you tonight where God promised you a hundredfold. Whatever you sacrifice in this life, God says, I will reward you a hundred times over that. So what's, what's heaven going to be like? Heaven's going to be the new earth. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be new heaven and new earth. We're going to live forever on a new earth. There's going to be land, okay? Say, so, well, I, you know, I, I, I sacrifice this. And I, and maybe God gives you 10,000 acres. Think God's going to do that? Absolutely. I can stand all day long and prove that biblically. You're going to have places. You're going to live. You're going to dwell. You're going to have authority. You're going to have positions in the kingdom. You know, we're not just going to sit around. Everybody's got this idea. Where, and I think being at the throne is going to be the best part. But you're not going to stand before the Lord forever and ever 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 and just sing. That's not what heaven is. We're going to live and walk and dwell in the presence of God just like Adam did, you know. Adam was in his perfect state when God created. He put him in the garden. What he did is said in the cool of the evening. Shows you the temperature changed in that. 
in the cool of the day, I don't think heaven's going to be one thermostat. You know, for me, it's going to be cool. Thank God. For some of y'all, y'all like a warmer with blankets and and that kind of stuff. But, but anyhow, heaven, heaven is we're going to we're going to be in God's presence in a different way. Okay, and God's going to God's going to fellowship with us and talk with Him. But but lose the concept of we're going to float around on a cloud with a harp and a gown and sing an amazing grace because that's not going to happen. Okay, and so heaven's going to be an amazing thing. And the last thing that I would want is going to be to lose the reward that God intended to give me. And it's not being selfish because they go, oh, just, you know, I don't deserve anything, blah, blah, blah. If God wants to give you something and Jesus died so that you could have it, it would be foolish to go, uh, you know, I'm not worthy of that. No, you're not worthy of that. And neither am I. Was you worthy as a little kid to get those presents that your mom and dad gave you all the time? No, you wasn't, you disobedient little rat, okay? They gave you that because they wanted you to have it and they loved you and you you just lapped it up. So don't think you're going to change what God put on some self-righteous junk with me. You want the things, okay? And those are good things and I want it because here's the thing. Those things represent your service to the Lord. It represents His glory. Because that's what God rewards according. He gave you salvation, but the rewards God gives you is according to what you did with what you was given here. Were you faithful? Did you run the race that you might obtain that crown? It's not just a crown in your head. It represents the rewards that God blesses you with. Who wants to be standing there empty-handed on the day of judgment? Because what that says is, I didn't care enough about doing anything so that you could reward me. I just wanted to make sure I'm here. That's selfishness. And so you take your eyes off of that and go, I want what God has for me. I want what God has for me here. And now, I'm of the opinion, you can do what you want to. I'm of the opinion, you know what, if God wants to bless me here, I'll take it. Whatever good He has for me here, I'll take it. And, and whatever trials He allows me to go through, I'll take it. <clears throat> and so in that, that's what we're called to do is run the race. God's called us to run, not to observe it. Not to idly sit by, you know, not to passively observe it. But God says, I want you to take this serious. And so before I go into the rest of this message, I want to ask you, how serious are you taking the race that you're running in? Because if all you're doing is coming to church and, and you're, you know, uh, well, I come to church and I try to live a pretty good life. You're, yeah, that's good, but you're missing the whole point. God's involved you in something that he wants to work in and through your life in and every day. And it's not just about reading your Bible and witnessing to people. It's the way that you treat everybody around you. It's your heart for the Lord. It's like I said, for living for the glory of God. And you have to take it seriously. You know, the, the runners that ran in these races... I studied on that a little bit this week, and it said that they had to commit to training 10 months prior to running this race. And this race ain't going to take 15 minutes probably. I don't know how long it was. Five minutes. But they would fast and they would, they would abstain from everything that was harmful to their body. And they would train day in and day out preparing for this one race that year to obtain a wreath. How much more seriously should we take a race for the glory of God, for the souls of men, for the generations to come, for the impact of the gospel on our kids and our grandkids and their kids? Shouldn't we take it seriously and go, I want to make sure that each day I'm equipping myself, I'm mentally prepared, I'm spiritually prepared, I'm looking for what God wants to do because I believe this and I take it seriously. And if you want to look at... This cloud of witnesses that it talks about, because it says in verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great of a cloud of witnesses. He's saying, you've got people watching you. He's referring back to 
chapter 11 where it goes through there. We won't read it this morning, but it talks about uh, Abraham and it talks about Isaac and it talks about Moses. And it gives a list of all these people and their race. For instance, Noah, what was Noah's race? It was to build an ark and for the saving of his family to continue on in the godly line. Abraham left his home and left his people to go into the promised land. Moses denied being, uh, you know, the son of Pharaoh and he, and he and he made himself a servant so that he could bring God's people out of Egypt or out of bondage. So each one of them had a different race to run, but that was God's plan for their life. Who would Moses be if he was Pharaoh's son? We wouldn't even know. And if you think about Abraham, he could have said, you know what, I'm going to choose to stay at home and I'm going to let God do it. And you know what, God would have chose somebody else and went right on with his plan, but Abraham would have missed it. I think there's a lot of people here that because you don't even recognize what God wants to do in your life, it wasn't just to save you and set you down for an hour on Sunday morning. He's like, I've got something that goes seven days a week, 168 hours, and I want to use you to impact everybody around you to be a part of my one big plan so that one day you'll stand before me and I can say, well done, my good and faithful servant, and you're rewarded for your faithfulness that you demonstrated to the Lord. Are you in the race? Because there's a lot of people, I think it's kind of like a football game. <clears throat> you know, on a Friday night, you got some people who sit outside and on the fence. I don't know if they don't want to pay them fee or whatever, but they sit out in the cars and watch. But then you got those people who, who when you come inside the gates, you, you've got your tickets, you walk in, and there's several different people there. There are, there are those who go up and they sit down, and they watch the game, and they participate, and they cheer. There's those on the field who are out there playing. There's those who are coaching. There's those who are announcing. You got those who don't give a flip what's going on. They're over eating and drinking somewhere, talking to somebody. They don't know when the game's over or when it's not. And I think that the, that Christianity, the kingdom of God is a whole lot like that. People enter into it. And then you have to decide you're going to either be in the game, you're going to be involved in, in the race, or you're just there to, you know, pass time, don't see what the big deal is. God says, I want you to run. Everyone here, I want you to run the race. And so in this, when you look at this, these witnesses are people who have gone around before us. Not only that, it's, it's witnesses of God's faithfulness. Every one of their stories that you read here, you don't just see that they're faithful, you see that God is faithful. And that no matter what trials and difficulties they face, that God always brings them through because God wants us to be overcomers. And so in that, you also look at people around us. You know, you're a witness one way or another, and you're around witnesses every week. You're around witnesses of people who are faithful to the Lord, who who you see God's favor, and you see God's blessing, you see God's forgiveness, you see God's mercy, and His peace, and His joy, and you're a witness of that. Or you might be a witness of the results of sin, and you see chaos, and division, and misery, and depression and and looking for every kind of way that you can find some kind of purpose and peace in life or maybe you're a witness of a hypocrite how you go to church on sunday and you put on this facade about you know being this great believer and then the rest of the week you're just like everybody else that you're around but one way or another you're being a witness of what you believe and so in this we're surrounded by these witnesses and i look at people in life who have been faithful to the Lord all the way through their life. And I look at those people and go, that's what I want in my life. I want the same results that they have in their life. I want the same results that they have in their marriage. I want the same results they have in raising their kids in my family. And only Jesus can do that. So I want to follow him and I want to run the race. You want to bring it down on a, on a simple level is parents. God knows we need parents who are running the race. Because you're not just running it for you. You're running it for the ones you're raising. And you're running it for grandchildren, and, and you're impacting those forever. And so in that, <clears throat> look, at, look at a couple of things real quick, how Satan wants to get you off track. And Paul encourages us here. He said, seeing that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. 
This is an obstacle course. Some of you here, have you, any of y'all nuts here ever run a Spartan race? Raise your hand. I just want to see. Y'all run that Spartan. I know some of you, I know Andy Lucy's run the race and Willie's running. It's crazy to me. Because here's the thing, a Spartan race is is a race that you go to, it's got extreme difficult obstacles, climbing walls, going through the mud pits and all that kind of stuff. And you're there, and at the end of the race, do you win anything? A medal. (laughs) They kill themselves preparing and doing all that, you know, for a medal. And so here's what, this is what Paul's talking about here. He said, this is not just, you know, on a racetrack where everything's nice and good. This is like a Spartan race. It's designed to totally physically, mentally, and spiritually tear you down. And when you look at that, he said, in order for you to run, you've got to lay aside every weight. Those weights are the things that hold you back. The things that weigh you down, they can be physical. Think about this, the comforts of living. Some people are totally out of the race because they're all, all they're worried about is this life. And, and the way that they live here and the lifestyle that they desire. They don't have time to run no race. They don't have time to, to raise their kids up for the Lord and be a godly influence to them and, and to love them and to train them and to raise. They don't have time for grandkids. They don't have time for being a witness for the Lord. They don't have time for serving the Lord and, and, and doing the things that God's called them to do because they want, you know, little trinkets and, and comforts of life and everything that this world has to offer. Or it can be the cares of this world world and the devil every week tries to pull away our attention because he wants to get you so focused on your work and your job and your bills and all the things going on all the things you've got to go and and do and be a part of or it can be individuals devil uses individuals sometimes to draw us away and they can be dead weight this would be a good message right here for the teenagers all right some of you possibly dating somebody that's dead weight lose the weight okay the Bible says, set aside. If you, are, if you are dating somebody or talking to somebody that is not provoking you to follow Jesus, that's, that's keeping you from running the race, the Bible said, lay them aside. Get rid of them. You mean, but I'm in love. No, you ain't. No, you're not. That's not called love. That's called an ooey-gooey emotion that goes away as soon as you get married and reality hits that you're responsible to pay the bills. That's what that is. Okay? Lay them aside and find the person that God has to run the race with you. It can also be your involvement in things. Things that take away your time and attention. We can, we make our lives so busy. I don't know what happened in the, in the last couple of generations, if you look back to your grandparents, you always heard those stories about, yeah, we sit around on a porch and we talked. I'm thinking, I don't have time for a porch, much less talking. Are y'all with me? And every week, I'm five weeks ahead consumed in schedules and things that, I, that I'm involved myself in and that I'm doing. And a lot of those things can be, you can, they can be ministry. But that don't make them good. You can involve your life in a lot of good things, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the things that God wants you to be involved in. God's more involved in people than things, if you want to know the truth. And so, I listed a few things that seem to take away, uh, our, our, uh, that seem to weigh us down. Uh, phones. <laughs> and I know everyone, I have a phone. I hate phones. Okay, I just want you to know that. Willie's doing a deal on Wednesday night where they're fasting. And some people, you know, said, I'm going to fast from my phone three days. I told Willis, I could fast from my phone for the rest of my life and it wouldn't bother me. But some of you... It's like an attachment on you. It's like something that's grown. And, and you always got to be, you know, y'all don't, I do this. You know, the kids do this four finger thing now where they, they got those phones going. And, and as crazy as it is, people drive down the road. You see families in cars, even the one driving. They're all five different phones going, restaurants and like, 
Do y'all realize that God gave you a mouth and it works? You don't need that phone. Chunk that piece of junk away sometime. I think it would be good for you to turn, just turn it off. Oh, what would happen? I miss a call. Great. Maybe you'd get some good quality time actually communicating face to face with folks. I'm not going to preach on that very long, okay? Um, another thing is food. Consumed by eating all the time and food and, and worrying about and thinking about and the things that it brings about in our life. Facebook. Hours and hours that we just have to sit in front of it to find out everybody's business. Hobbies. Hobbies can weigh us down to where it's all we think about, all we want to do. I used to have a shirt that I wore that said, deer hunting is life. No, it's not. Jesus is life. Deer hunting is just something that you do. But you know what? It can keep me from doing, running the race and, and consume. Your hobby can consume you. Whatever yours is. Okay, I admitted mine. At least I admit my weakness. Okay. Fishing, hunting, whatever it is. Yours might be sports. Yours might be shopping. I don't know what it is you ladies do. Cooking or chasing babies. Whatever it is. And here's the thing. None of these things are inherently sinful. They're not just, you know, they're just sinful because they are. But they can become idols in our life. And they can take us away from being focused on what God wants us to do. And the devil just uses these things. But I think, I think it's not so much the physical things that weigh us down as much as it is the spiritual things. Because there's a lot of people that you carry weights nobody else can see. Uh, some of those weights could be how you see yourself. Yeah, you know, I tell people all the time, what, you know, what do you feel like God has for you to do? What's your goals? Your purpose? What is your dream that God's put in your heart? Well, I'd like to do this, but I just blah blah blah, and it's how they they'll immediately tell you how to see it. I can never do that because of my past. And some of you carry your past around just like, I mean, like dumbbells everywhere you go. And, and, and just about, here's the way the race works. Just about the time that you begin to go, I'm going to be obedient to what God wants me to do. And I'm going to serve the Lord with joy. And I'm going to, whatever it is that God has you to do, all of a sudden the devil comes up and hands you and goes, hey, what about your past? He might use somebody else to remind you, hey, what about your past? This is, and you're like, oh, I could, I could never be that kind of person because of the person that I used to be. Last time I checked, that person was buried and dead at the foot of the cross. Man, well, we need to let go of those weights. And it can be how you see yourself. It could be your past. It could be your image. Well, what do other people think and how they see me? That's one of the biggest weights in America. Why, why do people not share their faith? Well, because I'm worried about how people see me in that. And what if they reject me? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And who are you to care anyhow? How will people see you on the day of judgment? Is my, what will your image be when you're standing at the throne of God in that day? Have you ever considered that? And God's called us to run this race. Sometimes it's comparing yourselves to others. You carry that weight around and go, I can never be like this person or that person or live up to this or live up to that. And so we carry around all this baggage and all these things that, that keep us from being the person that God's called us to be. And then you move on to the next one. It says not only that you lay aside every weight. I got to touch on that real quick. It's just... You ever seen anybody wear those leg weights? I know I'm ready to get you to raise your hands and Baptists don't do that, but any of if you ever run track, did you ever wear those stupid looking leg weights strapped around your ankles? Anybody ever do that besides me? Yeah. You know, you walk around at school because you want everybody to think that you're working out and you'd have them on, you'd wear them and, and you know, how stupid would it be for you to wear those, all those leg weights, and then, and then when it come the day where you, were, you was going to run the race or you was going to go out and you was playing basketball, football, whatever you was involved in, for you to leave those weights on. I mean, if you walked out there on the court, the coach would naturally say, take those stupid things off because you can't play your best with that. 
Some of you are carrying all this baggage in your life. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's, you know, things that have happened in your past, like I said, and you're carrying it. You're like, yeah, I want to, I want to run the race and I'm going to try to be who, you know, what God has for me and I want that and I desire that. Maybe it's things like, I don't know, this is just off the top of my head. Maybe you're struggling with, I've had a divorce, so I can never be what God wants me to be. And you know what? I, I lost my kids and I haven't got them back yet. And all these different things that the devil wants to dump in your lap that you carry around that guilt and that shame and, and you hear the voice of God going, this is what I can do for you. And he shows you and you visually see that's what I want. That's what I desire. This is what Jesus came to give me. But then you take your eyes off the Lord and you're like, but I got all this. All this stuff needs to go because you can't run with all that weight. And then, and then it says this, and the sin which so easily ensnares us or besets us. You know, Paul said, you got to lay aside that sin. I, I think one of the sins, main sin he was talking about there is just simply the sin of unbelief. It's the biggest sin that we deal with because when God calls you, he calls you to do what you can't accomplish. Therefore, I have to believe God. I have to I have to believe he's going to accomplish it in and through my life. And all of a sudden you got the devil going, that will never happen. You have got to break through that barrier and move beyond. Whatever your situation is in life right now, your condition, I don't care what it is. Okay, you've got to look at it and you go, this is what I know God's desire is. God's desire for me is this. Okay, and this is the thing that is the obstacle in the way Abraham would have said. I know God said he wanted me to have a son, but I'm 75 and my wife is barren. That was the obstacle. But you know what Abraham did? He did what the verse 2 said. Now looking unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of my faith, and he believed the word of God, and he began to actively pursue what God's plan was for life. Look up, he's got a kid. And maybe God wants to do something in your family, or in your marriage, or something, and you're looking and going, I just don't see how this could ever be possible. You know, Brother Rand, we got so much stuff in the past, I don't see how we could have, you know, that kind of marriage, or that kind of family, or, or that I could live that kind of life. You can it's with Christ, all things are possible. And you've got to go beyond what you can accomplish to go. You know what we're going to do? We're going to humble ourselves. We're going to put aside the sin of unbelief in our life. And we're just going to trust Jesus and see what he can do with that. And we're going to follow him. We don't care what anybody thinks. We're not worried about an image. We're not worried about what anybody else says. Because we're doing what we do for the glory of God. And we want the reward of that. And then you've got other things like pride and anger and self-centeredness. And covetousness. Think about this. Do you think for one instant. That when you commit your heart to go. I want to follow Jesus. Now that's going to affect everything in your life. Everything. It's going to make you a different husband. A different wife. It's going to make you a different daddy. A different mom. It's going to make you a different servant. It's going to make it different in what you invest your time in. People are going to start seeing Christ in your life. They're going to see the change that Jesus makes. Do you think for one instant. That you're going to make that commitment. And everything's just going to go smooth. Satan is hell bent to stop that in your life. Whether you're committed or not, he is 150% committed to go, I will do whatever it takes to shut them down. Day by day, let them commit because every day before they wake up, I'm going to be standing there with a scheme and a plan to get them off course and off track. Even if it's just for the day, he robbed the glory of God in your life just for one day that God deserves. And so when you think about that, and you look at how the devil works throughout the scriptures, one of the, one of the ways the devil works is always, usually through other people, usually it's people closest to you. 
Man, if I look back on ministry, you know where the, where the greatest harm and the greatest attacks come from? People that were standing there with an arm around me going, I love you, brother. I feel it. All right. But if you want to be honest, that's true. And you know why, why he does it? Even in your family, why, why do couples have so many problems in their marriage? You don't recognize it's the battle and the spiritual warfare that's taking place because the devil's like, I will not sit aside and let you have glory in your marriage for the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not let you impact your kids and your grandkids because you're living for Jesus. And I'm going to stir chaos and I'm going to bring about things that's going to do what? It's going to set off anger and pride and hatefulness. And all of a sudden, I was running the course I was on track. We were doing good. She said something. He said something. She did something. He said something. Whatever it is, kids, you know, and all of a sudden it struck my flesh to go, wait a second. I ain't taking that. You know what you just did? You just got on the off ramp. And the Lord said, wait a second. Don't you realize where this is coming from? Don't you realize that, that he wants you to get off track? And then some of us, you know how it is when you go on vacation? You've got a goal. You've got a point. If you're like me, you drive about 90 because you want to get there and even faster on the way home. And if you've got a wife like my wife, you, she, likes, she likes these stores. And you're like, all right, kids, buckle up because we're going, you know, we're, I'm, when we went to Red River, I'm, I'm there. I can see it. You know, us men, we're kind of stupid. I'm almost done today. We kind of look at a watch, go, all right, the internet said it would take me 13 half hours. 13. We're going to make it. And we're like, whoa, and we've got to go. And you're driving along, and there comes the big flashing light, and your wife says, oh, look at that. Can we go there? And you're like, if I don't, I'm going to listen to it for the next eight hours. Yeah. Mm, and But here's what happens. Some of us, we just stay there. Or a rest. Can we just pull on rest? And if you've got a lot of ladies in the car, not against ladies, you got something up with the ladies. Every bathroom. You know, can we, we're going to have to go again. Can we just pull over? Like, man, how many stops are we going to have to make? And in our life, in our race, you know, we're, we're running with the Lord. And all of a sudden, even with something that seems good, the devil comes along. He's got flashing lights. He's like, hey, pull over in here. And the sad part is a lot of us go, let's do that. Let's, man, that, that, don't, that, looks, that looks harmless. It looks entertaining. And we get on the off ramp and we go over there and we never make. We never go where God intended. For some of you are sitting in the off ramp right now. You saw the flashing lights. You saw the trinket stores. You saw the rest area. I put in my time. I'm now I'm just going to kick it. Some of you are resting every Sunday. And you pulled off the main course that God has for you and you're just sitting there. And you've attached yourself to something that God never intended for you to attach yourself to. And then all of a sudden here comes the weight. Maybe some of you got on the off ramp of sin. You know, Pastor, I made a bad choice in my life. And I, man, I wrecked it. And, and I got off course. And, and here I am. So now what, so now what are you going to do? Build a house on it? You know, move over store because this is where I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay in my mistakes. I'm going to stay in my bad choices. I'm going to be here and I'm going to crucify myself. I'm going to wallow in it. And I'm just going to live it up and get all the destruction it has for me while the cars go by. And I'm watching them every week going, hey, they're, they're going to where I was going. Hey, there, man, it must be nice, but I can't do that because I'm here. Every off-ramp I've been on always has an on-ramp. That's right, that's right. And that's what God calls you to do. Get back on the on-ramp. Set aside the sin that has beset you or that has got you off course and go, that's what repentance is. This ain't who I am. This is not what my life was intended to be. This is not what Jesus died to give me. And his grace hasn't changed. You hearing me? And the promise that he gave me years ago, remember Abraham? This is, I gotta get y'all out of here. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll give me five minutes. But you remember Abraham? Abraham was on track, on track. And then along come Hagar. 
He got off the off ramp and he went down into Egypt. He left where God had for him. So did he lose salvation? No. We don't lose our salvation. We just, we just go where God never intended for us to go. And so he gets onto the off ramp and he goes down into Egypt and he ends up in a mess. But the awesome thing is, it said, and Abraham, the Lord brought Abraham up out of Egypt and he returned to Bethel. You know what Bethel is? Bethel is the Hebrew word for the house of God. And there he worshiped the Lord. I guess I'm going to stop right there and I'll finish up tonight. But I want, I want to give you this hope this morning. Because most of us have off ramps in our life. Multiple off ramps. And maybe you're one of those people because I want to be a part of the cloud of witnesses today because God knows I have been on the off ramp. And I have spent seasons of my life on the off ramp. And I've spent seasons of my life in a rest area. It's okay to take a break. Okay? But God never intended on you to stay there because last time I checked, usually the only thing in a rest area is a toilet. Y'all with me? I know that's redneck, but let's be real. And some of us have built a house there and we think that that's where we belong, that's where we stay because of the one choice or the two choices that you've made. And all the while, God is there with you going, man, let's get out of here. Let's get back on track. Let's get back on the race. So you fail. Get up. And you parents, be real careful how you answer this. But how many of you, when your kid makes a mistake out on the little league field, did you go, it's okay, baby, just lay there. No, you don't. You're screaming. Turning blue in the face going, get up. You're all right. I think God is the same thing. Hey, get up. You're all right. Um, but, I'm, but look at the mess. I made. I dropped the ball. I died for that. Go. You already got the victory. Just enjoy the game. Get back in the game. And there's some of us here today. You need to get back in the game. Get up. I don't care what the choice you made were. How many times you've dropped the ball. How many times you struck out. Your bat's back up. You don't just sit there and pout and whine. And, and, and roll in your mistakes. You continue to go. Because you know why? God says, I want you to run with endurance. I want you to overcome. And God makes us, as God's people, we're not sitting down, we don't give up, we don't wallow in guilt and shame, we get up and we continue to press on and we overcome. And just like Paul said in Philippians, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God that he set before me. And some of us this morning need to come to a place to go, I believe that God's grace is sufficient. Before you ever started this race, God's grace is what got you involved and God's grace will carry you the rest of the way. You just have to decide whether you're going to run or whether you're going to stay up where you don't belong. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I love you and I thank you so much that you're a God of multiple chances. Lord, I thank you that the blood of Jesus covers us from all of our sin. Your word says that that where sin abounds, the sin that so easily besets us, that your grace hyper abounds, much more abounds. And God is your people. We're a people of grace. And Lord, no matter how many times we get knocked down, I pray we would get right back up. And Lord, that we would go another round. Father, I pray for those here this morning who at one time in their life, they were running the race. Lord, they make bad decisions and bad choices as we all do. Lord, the devil wants to keep them in darkness. I pray that the light of your love and your grace for them would shine on them today. God, that their heart would be transformed. Lord, that they would turn back to you and get back on course. And God, as your people, for us who are sitting idly by in a rest area somewhere, Lord, I pray you'd stir us. Not let us settle. 
Not let us stop midway, but God, let us press on and run so that we can say, as Paul did, that we finished our course. Lord, I pray for the people here who have never trusted in you as their Savior. God, who are on a, who are on a destructive course, who are facing hell. Lord, I pray that they would look to you and see your love and the opportunity that you give them, that you went to the cross to make possible for them. Father, they'd humble themselves and they would trust in Jesus today. We just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.